the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. I'm always happy to be with you because Voice America's goal is to live programming on the internet worldwide that helps you, the listener, make informed decisions in your personal and professional life. Voice America believes that information is power, the internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. And you can call us. We are here live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can call us at 888-335-5204. My programs are also on my website, raskinresources.com, so you can listen to the archive shows and get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. Today is the new year, so happy new year, everybody. And we're really going to talk about going a little bit deeper. That's the title of the book. How do we really make our life work? How do we really get what we want? And what vantage point are we looking at to get what we want out of our life? My guest is Jean-Claude Covan, who is a successful businessman, and he writes this century's first great teaching novel. Jean-Claude Covan was a marketing whiz all his life, founding and operating a number of successful corporations in both the United States and abroad. As successful as he was, he harbored deeper and more mystical passions. And after 40 years of studying and teaching spirituality, the multidimensional Covan has released his first book, and the teacher, Jean Houston, calls it a masterpiece. And what we're really going to talk about today are two principles that, uh, that Jean-Claude looks at, which is what you see depends on where you're looking from, and every realization simply defines a new beginning, which is to go deeper. Jean-Claude's new book is Going Deeper, how to make sense of your life when your life makes no sense. Welcome, Jean-Claude Covin. Wow, thank you, Patricia. That's, that's a wonderful introduction. <laughs> oh, good. All right, well, let's talk about these two deceptively simple principles. What you see depends on where you're looking from. Is, does that explain why you and I can see something totally differently and looking at the same thing? Absolutely. You've got six and a quarter billion people on this planet and the beautiful part of creation is every single one of us perceives differently. And what we forget, we start getting into arguments about what we perceive, but each being is absolutely right. From, from their vantage point, from their perception, what they see is what they see. If you want to shift what you believe in, simply be willing to let go of the rung you're holding on to, move to a new point of view, and you'll see something entirely different. It's almost as if uh, you and I are sitting in a... In a bowels of a cave at the, bar, at the bottom of a mountain arguing of what the view looks like from the top. Mm-hmm. And in, in, you know, that sounds yeah. awfully easy as you write, but, you know, a lot of people are very stuck in their own perceptions and really have a hard time, even if you show them the other vantage point, 
they may say, well, I see what you're saying, but I don't believe that. Oh, no, no, and that's exactly it. Those are the, those are the precise words that define the problem. There's three ways of processing information, belief, thought, and knowing. For example, in science, we would call these three hypothesis, theory, and law. Belief is something you don't know. Belief is something you bought into either because someone has told you or you've made some sort of incredible psychological decision that forms a subpersonality of your life. Mm -hmm. That belief system now becomes your identity. If you step back for a second and take a look at, that, at the human nature, belief, which is the lowest possible form of processing information, contains all of our sense of personal identity. It's the only thing we feel we have a need to defend. It's the only thing we're willing to die for, and we feel very good about it. This is, this is what fuels chauvinism of every kind. And so when a person says, well, this is what I believe, this is who I am, what they're saying, these are my prison walls, this is how big it is. Okay, and that's my comment. So now they're in the prison wall and they have this tremendous belief and they see one situation in such a way that it keeps them in the prison mm -hmm. because they can't see that situation with forgiveness, they can't see another strategy, they don't see a way out. So how do you then shake that person to say, go deeper, as your book says, and let's look at it differently? Uh, the, book, the book was a curious experience. It was actually a download. I didn't plan to write it the way it came out. Um, something captured me at the keyboard, and what came out was as astonishing to me as it probably will be to the readers. It's done, um, even though the subject matter is incredibly deep, it's done very tongue-in-cheek. And one of the greatest teachings in the book comes in the form of a rap song delivered by the two-and-a-half-foot raccoon, if you recall, mm -hmm. uh, by the name of Rocky Raccoon. And he talks about looking into the eyes of infinity. And that one line, they, whoever was giving me the information, and I've since found out who it was, but uh, the information that came through, they played with me for two weeks saying, what does that mean, look into the eyes of infinity? And I thought about eyes being the windows to the soul and all those other goodies. And they said, no, 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 no. It is much simpler. Human nature is such that it never sees the obvious. They said, spell out the word infinity. And I did, infinity. How many eyes are there? I said, three. Mm -hmm. They said, that's it. There are three eyes in infinity, the lower egoic eye, the soul eye, and the God eye. What we think of ourselves when we're within this illusion, experiencing the, the traumas of emotion, we think ourselves only as the lower egoic eye, and that's the part that's mired in belief. Mm -hmm. And what we have to realize is that part will always be mired in belief. Don't change it. Honor it. It's a very beautiful, rich experience. But you're saying rise above that to the other eye? Be aware, be aware that the eye that you are is the full continuum of creation mm. that starts with the lower parts of your emotional experience that rise in through your soul and eventually merge into the oneness of God. You are all that is. And, is. and what I'm hearing you say or, or imply is that if you can do that, then the other part, the lower eye or the belief, doesn't hold as much weight for you. Absolutely. Imagine yourself, for example, you're a kindergarten teacher, and all of a sudden you look out, and in the sandbox, Bobby and Johnny are having this tremendous fight. There's only one car, and they both want the car, and, and they're, they're going at each other like you cannot believe. You walk over, you assess the situation, you go to the shelf, you find two other cars, you introduce them into the sandbox, and now they're both playing very happily. What happened was they cannot see past their perception of reality. Their reality ended at the four walls that defined the sandbox. Your reality being the teacher, 
from a higher perspective, was able to see a solution that would never have been evident to them. So it's a question of just raising your awareness to a new, per a new perception to see something more encompassing. And all of the areas that you thought were major stumbling blocks in your life turn out to be insignificant impediments that you may or may not even want to deal with. And what happens when the children in the sandbox don't see it the way you see it? So although you've risen to a different level, so to speak, mm -hmm. they haven't. Exactly. And, and you so have, how do you handle that, Jean-Claude? Well, you have to realize that you are all of them. You are the child. You are the teacher. You are the guru. You are the god. It's just a question of not wanting to be so completely invested in belief, regardless of how well-intended it is, that you're willing to shift the point from which you view. In Indian speak, it's, you know, walk, another, walk a mile in, in another's moccasins. And in, in a more spiritual or godlike, are you saying maybe more on a godlike level or I don't know? They're exercises. It's a very, very tricky concept because when you're mired into something that you really hold as being very, very true, you know, and people wave flags and people have all sorts of books that they refer to as defining truth, you have to realize that that's only a very, very small part of your existence, that creation exists beyond our ability to grasp. We have the conceit of man trying to measure everything and know everything and define everything, and it's actually from the point of view of the, of the cosmos, it, it's actually quite humorous, that we have to begin to see who we are in a completely different light and view us not as small beings having small problems, but as very, very vast beings having a human experience. And to quote, you know. Yeah, and I, you know, and, and that all really sounds um, actually very soothing. Mm -hmm. However, you know, when I'm hungry or when I'm out in the forest and there's no food or people are shooting at me or I have a tremendous problem or death in my family or I've just had a tremendous fight with someone, I'm just giving you these examples. How do I stop at that point in time, Jean-Claude, and say, wait, let's not get into that lower self, let's rise up to the higher self? Well, in some cases you don't. Uh, when you're stuck in survival, however it's perceived, all bets are off. There's no way you can speak of spirituality to a man whose stomach is not full. It's impossible. If you're worried about how to survive, um, if you're caught in the tsunami, if uh, your life is in danger, then all these words are meaningless. The first thing that has to happen is we have to take care of the human condition. When you have a condition that's a, a major psychological trauma, and if you can create a witness state that says, my God, I am now feeling this an unbelievable loss, you now are aware of you feeling the loss, separate from the feeling itself. That begins the first step of creating the ability to move to another point from which you can view. And what, what about the belief in God, where then from there, uh, does that move you up to that next level too, so that you're moving up in terms of feeling Paradox some kind of protection? Paradoxically, no. Uh, if a person would ask me, am I religious, I would say, absolutely not. I love God much too much to be religious. If a person then said to me, well, then, Jean-Claude, obviously you believe in God, I would say, absolutely not. Does a fish believe in water? There is God. There's nothing to believe in. Holding God as a belief is, again, relegating the, your relationship to God at the lowest possible level of processing of information. You can move past that to actually experience God at the soul level and eventually know God in the oneness. 
So believing in God and thinking that that's going to let you rise up, it's a wonderful first step. I'm not saying there's anything against belief in God, but to hold that as the final as the final goal of the process would be unfortunate. So you're saying you actually create a oneness with God. You are a oneness with God. It's um, it's like Michelangelo going to Carrera and seeing this incredible block of marble and looking at it long enough to discover David, and then chipping away all the parts which are not that magnificent. And when you do that, there you stand. Fascinating. All right, when we come back, we're talking more to Jean-Claude Covin about his teaching novel, Going Deeper, How to Make Sense of Your Life When Your Life Makes No Sense. And we're going to explore that more when we come back. You're listening to Positive Living, and if you want to log on to Jean-Claude's website, it's goingdeeper.com. Is that correct? No, it's goingdeeper.org. Goingdeeper.org. Okay. All right, folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Again, our program is on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11, at 11 a.m. Pacific, and you can call us after the break at 888-335-5204. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. Information you need, when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com Are you tired of talk show after talk show where it doesn't seem like anyone is getting to the real issues? Finally, there's a show that will tackle some of today's most pressing issues that affect you. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m., tune in to The World According to Judith with Judith Lee Berg for The Judith Factor. The World According to Judith is a show that will discuss a variety of topics from all points of view and leave no stone unturned when it comes to issues that you really care about. Talk Wise, Talk Worth, Talk with Judith every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on The World According to Judith right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information, you are bombarded with it 24 hours a day. But how much of what you hear is fact? How much is opinion? And most importantly, how much does it influence your life? On Only One Truth with Maria Ferreira, we will discuss mental manipulation and provide support to help you courageously find and face the truth. Protect yourself and your family. Avoid brainwashing and mental manipulation. Listen to Only One Truth with Maria Ferreira. Log on and listen every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Tune in every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time to Voice America for Dave Hudson's Cop Talk. Cop Talk is your weekly forum for police and security professionals to exchange ideas and learn what's working and what's not in today's law enforcement. Join Dave Hudson each week as he brings you insightful and humorous guests, as well as hear great and even unbelievable stories from the cops that lived it. So make it a point to log on and listen to Cop Talk every Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com.
we are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. You can give us a call at 888-335-5204. We are here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. Uh, positive Living is all about finding positive solutions to practical strategies to issues that you face. Today's show is a little more elusive and conceptual, and we're going to try to give you some concrete answers, but we're going to talk about some theory here that's very fascinating but also uplifting. My guest is Jean-Claude Crovan. He's the author of the new teaching novel, Going Deeper, How to Make Sense of Your Life When Your Life Makes No Sense. Welcome back, Jean-Claude. Thank you. Um, I know we were talking about kind of the perception of things, and in my um, way of looking at things in terms of practical strategy, my question to you during the break was, well, what does a person do in terms of seeing themselves as part of the whole when, in essence, they're struggling with a situation in their life, whether it be a relationship or a death or financial problems or or a parent-child issue, whatever it is, how do they turn to the material that's in your book and find some comfort, find some respite, find a direction? Very interesting question, and as we discussed a little bit during the break, um, the answer came in a most unexpected way. Uh, There was a list of about 55,000 people in the metaphysical community that were invited to ask a question of higher consciousness. When those questions came in, they formed a very interesting pattern, and higher consciousness came back with an extraordinary answer. Let's say, for example, Mary said, why is it it is so difficult for me to attract the perfect mate? And what higher consciousness suggested is that the people that were asking the question were not in touch with the parts of themselves that were, in fact, asking the question. They felt that that was only the lower egoic realm. And the easiest way to separate that was instead of saying, why is it so difficult for me to attract the perfect mate? They would suggest, why is it so difficult for Mary to attract the perfect mate to her life. That was the first question. Why? Why do you put it in that person? person? You put it in, you use that person's name. That allows you to take a springboard and stand outside of it, gain outside of perspective, and you are now viewing Mary's life separate from the you. So So you see it outside of yourself is what you're saying. Exactly. Why is Mary having this problem? Then the second question, once once you ruminate on that for a while, you would say, Is this problem a recurring pattern in Mary's life? Does this come up from time to time, again and again? Is this this something that she's had to handle many, many times? Then you would say, why why did so much trouble be taken to, to create this problem for Mary? And what is the teaching in this problem that Mary is not seeing? What, whenever you have a recurring problem, it's only because you're not learning from it in the first place. So if we now get out of the drama of the actual event, of the rightness and wrongness, of the righteous indignation that comes out of being wronged, and we get out of all of that small drama part that, that forms the, you know, the, the juice of our lives, and we take a look at the higher purpose of what one can do on this planet in terms of learning and advancing and having an increase in awareness, you begin to see that these problems were created deliberately by you, for you, in order to have a learning experience. And what happens is, at first, they're very light. When you don't get them, they become a little bit more gross. It's eventually a 
a gigantic two-by-four that you have to hit yourself over the head with to get your attention. Then when you realize that this is a recurring problem, that there is a teaching in it, the third question you would ask is, why are so many people like Mary, who are here to bring light and love and service to this planet, experiencing an incredible difficulty in finding the perfect mate to be with them? And you start looking at these problems not in a personal me-me-me sense, but now in the archetype sense, looking at the general pattern behind it for all of humanity. And what that does for you is? It creates separation from the identity with the me that's perceived to be having the problem. You are much bigger than that. What happens is problems or pain cause us to implode. They cause us to protect the core, the center, and feel very vulnerable and go into this incredible emotion called fear. And what we find is most of the stuff that we are working with is fear-based. And we're trying to rearrange fear. A lot of the therapies and a lot of the things that we do is simply rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. We have to move beyond that while we handle it and realize that we're in it. We have to create, I guess it would be called a parallax view, to see ourselves in the problem and to realize that there are part, there's parts of ourselves that's outside of the problem viewing it okay. and learning so from it. If, if someone came to you and said, uh, I'm really having trouble disciplining my child and communicating with my child, and I just feel out of touch, what would you say based on everything you've said so far? I'd say take the kid out on a picnic, sit down and say, you know, I'm really having trouble communicating with you. I really feel out of touch. How do you perceive it? What's going on for you? What am, what am I not seeing here? How are we not communicating? What needs, what needs do you feel that you have that are not being met? What can, what can you teach me that I haven't seen yet? It's always a question of communication. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm really not here to solve human problems. I'm very empathetic and realize that we, we go through it and that all of us are human. All of us have to deal with this before we can move on. There's an incredible portion of the book that deals with um, Larry's interaction with Junie, where he goes through in a very short period of time um, all, of his, all of his demons. He gets to meet all of his dark side. He gets to meet all of his disowned personalities. And when a reader goes through that and realizes, oh, my God, these are parts of me as well that I've been hiding from, that I've been in fear from, that I've been using up my awareness to suppress, it begins a process that opens it up. And one of the things you said that's powerful is that you actually confront, you sit with the person and say, what am I not seeing? But not from a defensive point of view, from almost a curious point of view, wanting to learn. Bless you. There are above my desk three words that I put out as the filters through which all of my actions for the rest of my incarnation will take place. And the first word is curiosity. It is the most powerful substance that I have yet found on this planet and in all of the cosmos. It is the guiding force behind all of creation. It is what we are about, what we are naturally as children, what gets enculturated out of us by well-meaning parents and adults and teachers and, and, and leaders. If we could rekindle our, our passionate curiosity, then Everything dissolves. 
It is the only substance that dissolves judgment. In the presence of curiosity, all judgment, all concept of rightness and wrongness fall away. And there is only an empty cup with room for learning. Almost, ch- almost childlike, Jean-Claude. No. You know, not, children, I not guess... Al- not almost at all. Absolutely childlike. You know, where there's no judgment, you just, you're just out there. Right. You're just out there. What are the other two words? The other two words for me are willingness, so that no matter what the universe asks of me, the answer is yes. And the third... Yeah, what if you don't... Wait a minute. What if you don't agree? But I'm aware of not agreeing. But, but if, if it's asked of me... I mean, if my inner if my inner voice says this is you know this is a bad thing, when I when I say the universe asks of me, it doesn't mean that every single person knocking on my door represents the universe. Right. I mean, in a larger sense. I mean, my life now is devoted to speaking to you, to bringing the message of the book out, to working with uh, workshops, to talking to people, to let them know that they're much larger, much bigger, much more magnificent than ever they dared imagine. That no matter what it is you reach for in your life, no matter what it is you aspire to, it isn't enough. You're bigger than that. That's what I mean by willingness, that that comes first. My whole life now is dedicated to this. So it, it's without struggle. It's without fighting. Absolutely without struggle. And when struggle comes, and it will, then you identify the struggle. It comes from the parts of you that are not in harmony. And it's wonderful to have parts that are not in harmony, to have point and counterpoint. It's part of the music. You are all of these things. Uh, those people who are unwilling, unable to embrace their shadow, their dark sides, will never be able to move past them. They'll be owned by them forever. The more you resist something, the greater the strength it has over you. And you end up with the, you know, the, the inevitable experience of the preacher who has to find the prostitute. What's the, what's the third one, Jean-Claude? third one is humility, so that I never believe for a moment that it's coming from me, but that it's part of a, a, larger, a larger team effort, and I represent just one of, the, one of the beings that are on this planet doing the work. Those, those are my big three. And I invite people to find any three words that they wish to use as filters, and it's, uh, I wish we had five hours to explain how powerful this is when you do this and what these filters really do. Well, when we come back from the break, we can talk more about the filters. Okay. What are they and how you work with them. Okay. But really what you're talking about is looking at ourselves in a much larger perspective. M- much and, and really not taking ourselves so seriously. You've got it. You've... Well, and I think that's a, that's a lifetime chore for many of us particularly when we're going through things. That's one of the reasons that the book was written so tongue-in-cheek and in such an incredibly irreverent manner. As one of the characters said when they, when they really discussed some major, major issues in the cosmos, and Larry asked, well, why are you making, why are you making fun of this? And the character says, because this stuff is far, far too important to be taken seriously. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Jean-Claude Covan. He has written the, the, uh, this century's first great teaching novel. Jean-Claude Covan was a marketing wizard all his life. He founded and operated a number of successful companies in the U.S. and abroad. And he's really been involved for 40 years in metaphysics, metaphysics and spirituality. And his first book is now Going Deeper, 
how to make sense of your life when your life makes no sense. You can certainly call us after the break at 888-335-5204. Positive Living is here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can go to my site, raskinresources.com, and listen to the archive shows that are on my site. Folks, again, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you thinking of adopting a child? How do you know if you're ready to adopt? Each week, Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell will focus on different aspects of adoption that are important to you. Marty is a certified adoption practitioner and has made it her life's quest to bring families safe and ethical adoptions. Her guests for Let's Talk Adoption will include birth parents and adoption professionals. Learn how to overcome the hurdles of adoption on Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lewis, and you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard's Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard's Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Again, I'm always happy to be part of Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. Today's show is somewhat spiritual and metaphysical, so the practical solutions and positive principles are there, but you have to dig for them a little bit. They're not quite as apparent. They're not two plus two is four or, you know, um, go on this particular diet, or spend this much money on an item. So 
a little more abstract, but if you can wrap your arms around this, it can certainly help you to live the quality of life you want to live. My guest is Jean-Claude Covan, very successful entrepreneur and businessman who, after 40 years of studying metaphysics and spirituality, has released his first teaching novel, which is called Going Deeper, How to Make Sense of Your Life When Your Life Makes No Sense. Welcome back, Jean-Claude. Uh-huh, thank you. So when were you first exposed to these kinds of spiritual principles contained in your book? Always. Um, since the time that I was a child, I would ask questions that nobody could answer. And when people did try to answer the questions, I realized very early on that they hadn't a clue. They meant well, but all they were doing was quoting something they believed. They knew, they knew nothing. And they didn't want to know that they knew nothing. And they got very angry with me when I was a child. And if I would ask beyond their ability to answer, and I always got hit with this unbelievable wall of now you have to take this on faith. And that somehow never sat well with me as a child. The other thing that I realized is that I was a stranger in a strange land, that no matter what was going on around me, no matter how society formed itself and wrapped itself around me, it was not of me, that I felt that whatever the reason, this was not my real home. I mean, it was helped by the fact that I came from Europe at a very, very early age and grew up with very European parents who were a lot older than I, and I was an only child. So I always felt like odd men out. But then as I grew up and started working on the planet, I realized that the way we pull ourselves together, the way we form our tribes, is something artificial, and that we do it not out of curiosity, but we do it out of fear. And we try to find consensus, and we try to find meaning in our lives and settle into a role that we think is worthy, and it doesn't even begin to tickle a small, small part of our entire spectrum. It isn't enough. And I guess I was very lucky in growing up that I was successful at business, and I reached you know, the gold ring on the, on the merry-go-round, and I looked at it, and it was tarnished brass. And then I realized all the things that I had been working for, that everyone else seems to be working for, is meaningless. And all of the answers that were given in, in pre-packaged measures to be mixed with water and, and instantly bring us to some sort of nirvana aren't it. All right, except that on a very practical, Earth-like level, because sure. we're on the planet sure. and the Earth, your success in business has helped you to be able to create this work and get it out there. Absolutely. Without it, without it, I would be struggling looking for a publisher who was looking for a dollar. So, in that sense, this has really, really helped you. Oh, no. and, and my question to you is, how have you applied these sort of somewhat esoteric and spiritual principles to success in business, which can be very black and white in bottom line? It is until you do something which makes business extremely easy. Let me tell you a story that happened to me early on when I was in um, basic training in military service. Okay. We were issued gas masks and taken on a hike. And then before we knew it, nobody knew how to use these masks, but before we knew it, we were gassed. We were in the middle of a, a whole bunch of canisters of, of tear gas. And everybody, needless to say, ran like chickens in every direction. And I just held my breath and I watched them run. And I saw our second lieutenant standing on a little, on a little hillock with a gas canister in front of him. And I went and I stood next to him and I was watching the, watching the show. And he turned to me and he said, Colvin, what do you think you're doing? And I said, standing two feet upwind from the gas canister, sir. 
He said, you can't do that. This is a gas attack. And I didn't mean to be smart. I just said, sir, it appears I have. And then I realized that no matter what the situation was, no matter what the gas attack is, there is always a point two feet upwind from it from which you can see it in an entirely different way. Now, if you can apply that to any business situation and you begin to see the larger arena in which you're operating and you don't start enforcing your own views, but you're asking the same way you would ask the child, what is it you need of this business? What is it you want? How can I serve you? All of a sudden, you're dealing with far more cards in your deck than your competitors. Mm. Well, again, you're looking at the bigger picture. You're looking at your higher purpose in the bigger picture. Always, it, always, always. Yeah. I mean, what do I need? And, and I have a situation in my life where I'm asking that question. What is it that I want in the long term from this? What is the outcome that's going to bring me peace and the outcome that's going to bring me joy? Not staying within the nitty-gritty of the facts as they stand because that just keeps me reeling in the groove of the record. You're here. And here's where I part company with most of the therapists and the, and the psychologists on this planet. Albert Einstein said something extraordinary. He said that no problem can ever be solved at the level at which it was created, which means that if you try to work from within your problem and understand your problem and deal with your problem, you haven't got it. Will therapies take you there? Yes. They'll make you feel at ease with it, and all of a sudden you'll, you'll have your own version of a 12-step program in which the problem will now own you for the rest of your life. If you shift beyond the level of the problem, you realize how arbitrary and trivial the problem actually is, no matter how large it seems to you now. And you'll deal with it in a completely different way, from a much, much higher perspective. It's a piece of cake to do it, provided provided you're willing to let go of the rung or the ladder you're holding on to now. And we hold on to that rung because we're scared. <laughs> and understandably. Because to let go of that rung is to die. Part of you, part of your belief system, part of your personality will go. And people are scared to give up their identity. Understandably. Now, from what you've described, it's, it was easier for you to do that because of your belief system as a child, that you didn't quite fit in, you saw things differently. But for people who are very grounded in what's going to happen next and nine-to-five jobs and supporting their families, and a lot of this sounds like gobbledygook, Jean-Claude. Well, it is. If, if you say, here's what I would tell people. Look at your life. If you're 100% satisfied with what is going on and the direction you're heading and where you're going towards, continue. If you're dissatisfied with your life and think that there may be more, change. I can't tell you what to change to. I don't have any pattern of belief I'd like anybody to ascribe to, but I can tell you how to change. I can tell you what processes you need to do to begin to view from another perspective, and what you see from there is what you see. The beauty is that we are unique, that we're not made to run into, into flocks and all of us see the same way and sing the same hymns at the same time. Part of us loves that, part of us needs it, and part of us yearns to break free. Let me ask a very practical question, a business mm. question, based on everything you've said. Sure. If you were, and you were successful in business, if you had a situation, John claude where you worked with a client who was very difficult, but there was a lot of money involved, so, and 
you questioned yourself and said, you know, I don't know if this is worth it, but I don't want to let go of the client because I'm going to lose all of this. Mm-hmm. What would you do in that situation? Would you rise above that and learn a lesson from it and let the client go? Would you sit down with the client and try to work it out? How would you handle a situation like this based on your philosophy? I can only tell you based on my experience that inevitably I took the wrong path. I tried accepting the client because it was a lucrative concept where I could make money on it. It invariably backfired. I invariably rued the decision. And in looking back, there were 36-foot neon signposts that (laughs) warned me that I absolutely consciously ignored. So I can't tell you I did well because I didn't. Um, but how do you look at it now going back? With 2020 hindsight, I would say, look, we have a fundamental problem here. This is not going to work long term. It's not going to be a win-win situation. Here's the problem that I, that I am having. Here's what I am perceiving. What is your problem? It's the same as taking the kid on a picnic. Here's what's going on right now. Please tell me what your agenda is. I will tell you my agenda, and let's see if we can make them make them one. If we can't, I'm not the right person for you. And why is it that 80 or 90 percent of the people do not do that? They don't do it because of the fact that they are in fear. For fear, if we have an honest conversation with somebody, they will think less of us. For fear that... Um, we will lose the upper hand, we will lose the situation, we will not have the client. And the point that they don't realize is they don't have the client now anyway. If you have to do something, if you ever have to compromise yourself in a situation, you're in trouble. No relationship will ever work in the face of compromise. And all conventional wisdom tells us just the opposite, that compromise is the golden path to relationship. It isn't. It's the worst possible thing one can do. When you say don't compromise, you say what's important is to have your needs met? Have what do you everyone mean? Need, have everyone's needs met. Uh, there are times in a relationship where what you want to do is different from what your partner wants to do. And both have to be, accom- both have to be accommodated. You have to be able to do what you want to do. Your partner has to be able to do what he or she wants to do and not to find something that both of you decide on that neither of you wants to do. So you have to find the creative way to create the space so each can have full expression. All right, we're going to take a break. Okay. Fascinating material. Jean-Claude Covan, author of Going Deeper, How to Make Sense of Your Life When Your Life Makes No Sense. And you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. You can go to his website at goingdeeper.org. And, folks, this program is on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. You can log on to RaskinResources.com, get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, and listen to the archive shows on my site. Again, stay tuned. You can call us after the break. We're at 888-335-5204. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. It's Dr. Peter Terms. I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Mario's The Dot, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crime to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world, the Internet's number one talk and information station, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to Voice America for The God Hypotheses with science and religion answer man, Dr. Michael A. Corey, every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. On the show, Dr. Corey will answer all of your questions about the relationship between science and religion, including the origin and development of our just-right Goldilocks universe. Dr. Corey will even provide scientific proof of God's existence and explain humanity's true role in our universe. So tune in to The God Hypotheses with Dr. Michael Corey every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Sports. Legal. Entertainment. You're listening to voiceamerica.com. Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Again, I'm happy to be part of Voice America, and Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. Today we are talking to Jean-Claude Covan, author of Going Deeper, How to Make Sense of Your Life When Your Life Makes No Sense. Uh, Jean-Claude is a very successful marketing whiz all his life. After 40 years of studying spirituality, he decided to write his first teaching novel. And we have a question from a caller. Please give us your first name and where you're from. My name is Bob, and I'm from Long Island, New York. Okay, Bob. Hi, Bob. Jean-Claude is an old friend of mine from ninth, at dinner with him in 1978. And I want to ask him this question. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Jean-Claude. The, uh, what's wrong with God and love as the golden path? Nothing. I don't, you don't mention God, though. Oh, no, 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 no. I... I'd mentioned God several times at the very beginning. God is all there is. Um, love is all there is. The difficulty is in rising to the point where you truly get the oneness of that incredible message. No, that is the message. There's nothing else there. Where I, where I, come, where I part company with the so-called New Age or, or mind, body, spirit people or all, these, you know, all the wonderful new think people is that they use metaphysics as an orphanage, as a refuge. They've learned the words, and they're building this incredibly beautiful edifice on a non-existent foundation. To use those words, to come back from the incredible experience of oneness, of having done the work, 
when you come back, you find that words no longer work. And you say that love is the path, God is all there is. You say it from a point of such absolute knowing that that's all you can say. Is it true? It is absolutely so. But to give it to a person who hasn't done that and say, congratulations, here's your Ph.D. degree, and by the way, please put the box back in kindergarten, is not going to work. But Jean-Claude, aren't you addressing a very esoteric audience and not the man in the street, the common man like myself, who follows Scripture and God's love? Yes. What I'm saying to you is if you find that in your life you have absolute fulfillment in what you're doing and there is no doubt whatsoever, then please, please, please continue. If there's part of you that's saying, I totally get this, I'm totally on the path of Scripture, I totally buy into this, but yet, there's part of me that's dissatisfied, that wants to understand it from a different perspective. Why is it that every one of the great religious schools, Christianity and Islam and Judaism, each have their metaphysical counterpoint? Whether it's Christian mysticism, whether it's Sufi, or whether it's the Kabbalah, there's always a small group within the fold that says, you know what, I hear it, but this isn't it. There's a much deeper resonance to this. And I encourage you to go, not, and I'm not giving you a path. I'm not giving you a teaching. I encourage you to go within your own, your own discipline to find how to break, how to paint outside of the lines, how not to take everything quite so literally and find out what, what the higher and deeper teachings are within your own, within your own discipline. Claude, does that answer your question? Yes, it does, Pat, Patricia. Thank you very much. Does it? I mean, do you, do you need more discussion on this? Because it, it's, it's, it is esoteric, but does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense because uh, I've learned and experienced my own personal experiences and experiences of thousands of others that you can, the thing that Jean-Claude missed is because the people around him that taught him as a child didn't know how to listen to God, didn't know how to pray, didn't know how to create a relationship with God. And that's where, that's where the people around him missed out. And that created the background that I believe, this is my, my belief, that Jean-Claude uh, uh, grew in. I'm sorry, what was the last word, Bob? I didn't catch that one. The last, this is the, 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 uh, the ambiance that you grew up in, Jean-Claude. Yes. People didn't, around you didn't have a relationship with God. No, no, they did. But they're, they're, they're touching God, and the way they did it through ritual and through, um, through a particular practice was insufficient for me. It was perfectly wonderful for them. No it question, just... no question. But ritual sometimes drowns out the reality of that God is present with us now, and that we can hear him if we listen closely. There's never we, can a, hear, we can hear him in our heart. There's never a moment that I don't talk to God. Never a moment. So I, I could not, the difficulty that we're having in our conversation it's is we, we both agree. Yeah, I feel yeah. it's amidst words. Yeah, we both agree. Uh, we're coming at it from, from two different ways, and there's a wonderful saying that around the world, there are many, many fingers pointing to the moon. And then when I studied with the master in Hong Kong, he said to me, Jean-Claude, and after you've seen the moon, isn't it time for me to put my hand down? Once you've reached God, once you've gone into the oneness, the path no longer matters. You're at the top of the mountain. So if that's where you are, set a table. I'm climbing, waiting, waiting to join you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Jean-Claude. All right. Thanks Appreciate for calling, Bob. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Well, it's it's fascinating material because it's um it's really again it goes back to the to the premise the first premise that you have, 
which is what you see depends on where you're looking from. Perfect, and this was case in point. Yeah, a case in point. Absolutely. No, where absolutely. you're looking from. And, and the second one is every realization simply defines a new beginning and go deeper. Exactly. When you have and epiphany, when you think you've arrived anywhere, don't buy into it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'll find sometimes in my life I work at something and I have this goal and then I achieve it and I'm pushing for it and then I get it and it's like, wait a minute, now now I have a whole new, it's like a whole new field has been created. Exactly. So it's a whole new arena that you're entering. And what we, unfortunately, our society has become totally goal-oriented. And what we lose in the process is the joy of the journey. Yeah. There is only the journey. All the goals are arbitrary. No matter what we reach for, no matter how high we think it is, the magic is in the journey. That's where the lessons are learned, not in achieving the goal. All right, and we have just a couple of minutes left. So in that time, my question to you is if people get really one thing out of the program and listening in a simplistic way today about going deeper, what would you like them to get? The realization that no matter what they think of themselves, it isn't large enough, that each of us is the most extraordinary expression of consciousness imaginable, and that when we define ourselves in any role, whether it's a parent, a believer, a nationality, a sex, a particular profession, what we do is we define the walls of our prison. And we have to find the part of our being that exists out of that that also needs nurturing. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Oh, absolutely. Thank My you. pleasure. Yeah, stay on for a minute. Thank and you. If, if I may, um, the book is available not only on the website, which is goingdeeper.org, but Amazon.com. Okay. And any bookstore they want. Okay, and they can write to you on that website also. Yes, they definitely can. It's open to questions. Uh, just go to Zeus Speaks, and Zeus has an amazing article that will probably answer all of their questions and teach them how to answer their own questions. All right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. Next week, my guest is Ron Morris. He's an international trainer in the area of customer service. His new book is The Power of Wow Customer Service, How Doing What's Best for the Customer is What's Best for the Bottom Line. And it's really all about win-win and working together and having teams and he really works with humor and common sense and many, many examples and shows you what's best for your internal and external customers while improving your bottom line. Folks, again, I just want to tell you how, how important it is that, um, that I'm able to do this program and share these wonderful guests with you and wonderful insights. Do go to my website, raskinresources.com, for a copy of my book, Pathfinding, and to listen to my archive shows. Positive Living is always on. Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. I've been doing this work now for 20 years. I totally believe in not just the power of positive thinking, but that we really can have what we want and we can make our life the way we want it to, to be. We need the right role models. We need to hear from the right people. We need the right support, and we can get all that. Listen to this show, read lots of books, be around people who love you, and go for your dreams. And until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Lots of love to you. Have a great day.
positive living.